Corinthians today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are done with our series on Elijah. I pray that you enjoyed that series. I really did a lot. Um, And by the way, to our ushers, we'll be uh, having communion at the end of our service today, just so you all know. So I failed to let you know that, so I apologize. Um, But today, I would like to share a message that I've entitled, God and Sinners Reconciled. What I want to do in the next few weeks is maybe take some popular lyrics from some Christmas songs that you have known for quite some time. This one is from, anybody know? Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Exactly. No, it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Okay. And uh, yeah, very close. A lot of people get those confused. Um, and the phrase, the, the phrase on there, God and sinners reconciled, I think it's a powerful phrase. And as I meditated on this phrase more, and I meditated on the scripture some more in pre- preparation for today, I really felt that ending our service today with communion would be very appropriate. I want to talk about how God has reconciled himself with mankind and how powerful of a statement that is today. And I think this is going to bless you. This will be an opportunity for us to go to the Lord and, if nothing else, thank him for his incredible work that he did for us through the shedding of his blood. Can you say amen? So if you're able to, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. I'd invite you to stand for the reading of God's word as we read this together. And we're going to look at this passage that Paul, um, Paul spends some time on this topic with this church in Corinth. And here's what he has to say. Verse 14. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Can someone say amen to that? All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God and sinners reconciled. Jesus, would you speak to us through your word today? 
would you have your way in every heart and in every life that is here today and those that are listening and watching online. God, that your Holy Spirit would go before us now. May the words from this passage just leap into our hearts. And God, may you do the work that needs to be done in every heart, mind, and soul that is hearing this today. And we'll give you the glory and all the praise and all the honor. And it's in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God and sinners reconciled. So, let, let's, let's pause, first of all, and let's make sure that we all understand what it means to be reconciled, okay? Uh, has anybody ever had a dispute with somebody that caused you to distance yourselves from that other person? Anybody here? Just me, okay. Um, where something happens, there's a disagreement, there's something that comes in between you, and that has separated the two of you. Well, being reconciled is the, is the act of those two persons or people being brought back together. That's reconciliation. If, uh, God forbid, a husband and a wife have separated or split, how wonderful it is to see God reconcile them back together. If good friends, maybe something has happened and it's caused them to be distant from one another, how wonderful it is when there is reconciliation between those two parties. Well, now let's take this a step further because the title of this message, as you see, is God and Sinners reconciled. What is that about? Today, what I want to share with you very quickly are three vital truths that I want us to consider from this passage of scripture. When we talk about God and sinners being reconciled, I don't want it to just be a lyric and a Christmas carol for you. I want this to be something that you take into your heart, and every time you sing it, you realize the work that God has done in your life. Can you say amen to that today? So let me give you three incredible truths that we can pull from this passage when it comes to reconciliation. First of all, we are shown the incredible truth of God's mercy. God's mercy. How many of you are thankful today for the mercy of, of God? Can you say amen? Look at again, verse, uh, starting in verse 14. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God's mercy. God's mercy. I will tell you today 
that none of us in this room deserve the mercy of God. None of us do. Yes, God loves us, and that should never be in doubt in this room. You should never doubt the fact that your creator, your savior, loves you with a love that you can't even understand. But because God is also a just God, he has to deal with sin in the correct way. And this is where our culture sometimes gets its concept of God really messed up. Because I hear people say, well, why would a loving God punish somebody for sin? I thought he loved everybody. And that's just it. God is not an unjust judge. For example, let's say I murdered your family. I'm not planning on that today, but we'll see how the day goes. But... Now, how ridiculous would it be if I stood before the judge and said, hey, hey, I've done a lot of good stuff. I've, I've preached. Uh, I've pastored a church for a while. I, I mean, why don't you just let this one go? Okay, how ridiculous would it be for that judge to say, ah, you're good. Okay, would that be a very just judge? No, the law's been violated, and if the judge is doing his job or her job, then that crime has to have a consequence. Well, our sin has a consequence. The Bible says that all of us have sinned, and we've come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And here's the deal. Sin totally separates us from God. Remember what I talked about when when two parties are kind of uh, drawn apart because something came in between them. You know what that is between us and God? It's sin. And it separates us from God. It keeps us from having this, this relationship, the closeness with God. It keeps us from being in a right relationship with God. And I have to pause here and just tell you that there is no in-between. What concerns me so much is how the enemy of our souls has fooled so many of us in thinking that we can kind of see how close we can get to the fire without getting burned and without there being any type of punishment or consequences to it. That is not the life that God has, that's not the life that Jesus died for. My life is not about seeing what I can get away with and still go to heaven. That is an unhealthy existence for a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And what happens is that when we have, when we have sin in our lives, no matter how much we want to justify it, no matter how much we enjoy it, and no matter how much of a secret we try to keep it, what that will do, that will separate us from God. Perhaps you're there today, matter of fact. Maybe there is some sin, some disobedience in your life. There are some things that you have allowed in your life, actions, thoughts, words, that have become something that is totally contrary to God's perfect will for you, to what his word has to say. I will tell you that those things are what separate us from God. It's the one thing that the devil hates about us is that we're made in his image. And so he will try his best to ruin that by convincing us to accept things in our life that are actually deadly. 
And they might seem innocent on the surface, but if they're contrary to God's word, they don't belong in our lives. Sin will totally separate us from God. Today, if you find yourself separate from God, if there are some things in your life that you have allowed that do not belong, today is the day to be reconciled back to your Savior. Can you say amen? See, because sin totally separates us from God, but the cross totally reconciles us back to God. It's the cross. It's not our good works. It's not the good things that we do. It's not whether the good outweighs the bad. That's not it. If that were the case, then Jesus would not have had to die. But instead, the only way that mankind can be reconciled back to a Savior, to our God, is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's by making Jesus our Lord and our Savior. It is, by, uh, it is through our forgiveness from him for our sins and trying to live not for ourselves, but living for God. How many of you know salvation is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card? Amen? Salvation is a relationship that we accept, that we, uh, that we follow Jesus, and we do things his way instead of our way. Hopefully our ways line up with Jesus' ways, but we do things Jesus' way. I would encourage you today, if there's something in your life that does not belong, if there is disobedience, if there is sin in your life today, as we come to the table of the Lord, today is the day to be reconciled back to your God. I'm thankful today for God's mercy. Can you say amen? Now, a lot of you are sitting here and you're saying, well, I got that down, Pastor. Thanks, thanks. I know that was for that other person. In fact, I could point them out to you. But, uh, but that wasn't for me. Then let's, let's explore this one. Because secondly, I want to take a look at not only God's mercy, but also want to take a look at our ministry. Our ministry. Because here's the deal. Remember I just said that uh, Christianity is not just a get-out-of-hell-free card, okay? There is a responsibility that we have as children of God once we accept Christ as our Savior. Can I show you verses 18 and 19? Here's what it says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us, he gave us, the ministry of reconciliation. That's not just for the pastor. Read that again. Paul didn't say, and God has given the pastor the ministry of reconciliation. God has given the missionary the responsibility and the ministry of reconciliation. Is that correct? No, that's for all of us. God has given each and every one of us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. You know, plainly said, as followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, we've been given the opportunity to share the greatest message of all. That those who are far from God can be brought near to God. In this room, some of you have experienced that in a 
rather dramatic way. God has delivered you from addiction. He has saved you. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but he saved you. He has brought you out of the chains of that whole mess. What is that? It's reconciliation. Some of us, we've allowed our fears and our doubts and our attitudes to really keep us from God. And when we surrendered all those to the Lord, what happened? He made us a new creature. He made us new people. And he reconciled us that way. Now our responsibility has been given to do something with that. You've been given reconciliation. Now you're expected to do something with it. Have you ever seen these people who have these car collections? Like, not like Hot Wheels, but like cars that you could drive. Anybody ever see that? And, and, and I'm thinking, well, how fast does it go? I don't know. Why? I don't drive it. What do you mean you don't drive it? That's, that's a Corvette. I'll drive your Corvette. No. And the answer is a quick no. Uh, but you, you get these cars, but you never drive them. You, you, you get these gifts, and maybe you never use them. Uh, maybe we'll see some of those at the White Elephant Gift Exchange in a couple of weeks, right? God has given you a gift. The gift of reconciliation. Your responsibility is to do something with it. You know, what we're doing this weekend is a great opportunity to do just that. We share with people that may be far from God that there's a group of people at a church in Talmadge that love them with no strings attached. We do. Well, what if they're mean to me? Can I be mean to them? No. So if you're a grouch, don't come, okay? Or get healed, one of the two. Uh, there, there are so many hurting people out there. And I really believe that God's going to bring some people who are hungry, hungry, not just physically, but spiritually. They may think they're coming here to get toys for their kids. And they will. But my prayer is that they would walk out of here with a Savior. That's why we do this, by the way. If you think we do this because I just needed something to do with my life, I'm telling you, this takes years off of my life, okay? Okay, I'm actually 29. Look at all this gray hair, okay? No, we do this. We work hard at this. We, 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 we do it. Why? Because there's a world that needs Christ. Do you know, folks, how God has opened doors for this church just this year? 211. I don't know how many of you are acquainted with 211. It's kind of a helpline that somebody can call for help. They've been sending people to us to register for the giveaway this year. I'm getting calls from people who heard about us through their caseworker. I'm getting calls from people who heard about us from their school. Their school, public schools are telling parents to call our church. Are you hearing what I'm saying here today? That's crazy. The juvenile court system, they called me. 
They said, hey, next year, let us know. We'll donate towards it. I thought, all right. All right. I mean, it's the, the, the pharmacy where my family gets all their medications. Buckets of pills, okay? No, I'm kidding. Just one bucket, but uh, it's a big bucket. Um, but the pharmacy, the pharmacy, they uh, they took a collection at the Giant Eagle Pharmacy. They they took a collection so that we could purchase more groceries. One of them asked for the day off so that they could work here on Friday. My wife's office, her boss is paying employees for four hours of time to come work here instead of in their office. See, now why am I sharing all of this? Because when you commit the, this ministry of reconciliation to the Lord, he will open doors that you do not expect. And so we have to be faithful with what God's given us. So we will do this with excellence this weekend. We, we, will, we need to realize that this is not just a calendar event. This is a chance for us to be used in the ministry of reconciliation, where people who are far from God, including maybe some of our volunteers, people who might be far from God, can find Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Can you say amen to that? And that's why we do what we do here. It's not just going to stop there either, by the way. Once somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ, we're going to put them in touch with an opportunity. How many of you remember the following Jesus class that we've had already two times uh, throughout the year? We're going to do an online version for people who may not come to our church physically, but they can, they can be a part of this class physically it, or... or, or uh, Internet-wise, virtually. There we go. Come on, old man. And 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 this has been a heart cry of mine for for at least a decade. It's like God, I I don't want to just make new converts. I want us to make disciples. How can we do that? How can we do that? And God has brought Pastor Nicole to us that that we could see this finally come into fruition, where we could have people that may not even come to this church physically, but we could see people who will connect online, get closer to Jesus Christ, could it be that we could even have a virtual campus of people who are becoming more like Jesus? How awesome is that idea? Can you say amen? So, so believe me, we've, we've got a purpose. We've got a plan because we look at this ministry of reconciliation and we just don't do calendar events. We, we're all about giving people hope and bringing them closer to Christ. So we got to take this seriously. Very seriously. That leads me to my final point. We've seen God's mercy. We've seen our, our, uh, our ministry. Let's be reminded what the message is. Let's be reminded what the message is that we have. Okay, the message is not, you should come to our church. Our pastor's really funny. Uh, that's not our primary message. Now, if they want to come, that'd be great. But 
That's not, our, that's not our primary message. Look again at verses 20 and 21. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Time out. How many old school Assembly of God people are here that remember the We Are Christ Ambassadors song? Can I see your hand? Oh, we are awesome. Okay, I'm not going to sing it for you, but uh, yeah. Uh, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal, get this, through us. Read that close. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. That's our message. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's our message. That's our message. See, This might mess with some of you, but we don't do this event this weekend to make Bethel Church big. We do this to make the kingdom of God big. Because the devil's church is still way bigger than mine, and I want to rob him of every person that he has. I want want, want to make such a difference. And and let me just tell you, by the way, I will tell you right now, I wasn't going to share this, but I'm going to tell you, the enemy has fought against this thing. It might sound like roses and peaches and cream to you when I share all these awesome stories, and it's awesome, but I'm going to tell you, we, we have faced battle after battle after battle after battle after battle these last few months. The enemy has tried to, dis- to dissuade us. The enemy has tried to discourage us. The enemy has tried to defeat us. Here's what I know. The greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. And here's the deal. Sometimes the enemy overplays his hand. Sometimes, ever play Uno? I won't say poker because that could be bad. But ever play Uno with somebody and they kind of show you their cards? Okay? That's cheating. No, it's only cheating, number one, if you get caught. Number two. Okay. Glad we had that talk. But sometimes people show their cards. It's just like, okay, skip. And and, uh, the devil shows his cards. When he tries to discourage, when he tries to defeat, when he tries to dissuade, I believe Bethel Church has him very nervous. Very nervous. Because we're going to rob him of some of his kingdom. Someone who, and, and, and if, if y'all could see what takes place in the holding room when I share Christ, some people walk in there, they're in tears. They're in tears. Some people walk in there, they, they just stare out the window, so hopeless. I mean, I've seen this year after year after year. Those same people, when they raise their hand to give their lives to Jesus Christ, do you, do you realize that all of heaven pauses and celebrates when that takes place. And, and, and it's because they know about this message. God made him who had no sin, Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. So then him, we might become the righteousness of God. Ladies and gentlemen, this message has to be proclaimed. 
We have got to get this message out. There are too many people who are dying. There are too many people who are addicted. There are too many people who have been deceived not to hear this. We've got to share it. But not just at a church event. Also in your conversations. Could it be on the campus, students, there might be somebody that you could discuss your faith with. Could it be at the workplace, there is somebody that you could talk about your faith with somebody. Just a few moments. I'm not saying you got to give them the four spiritual laws and make sure your points all start with the same letter, although that would be amazing. But, but what I'm saying is that can you, can you share your testimony? I once was this. I don't even have it all figured out. I used to be a mess. I used to be a wreck. I used to be a jerk. But now God has changed my life. If that's what you want, here's how I found Christ. That's called a testimony. And to be quite honest with you, it's one of the most powerful things a person can hear. But finally, this message has to be practiced. It has to be practiced. See, hear me. I believe our earthly reconciliation is actually an illustration of our heavenly reconciliation. Can I talk about your earthly relationships real quick before we have communion? Because I believe that how we view reconciliation with our loved ones and our friends and people on earth should be a direct reflection of the reconciliation that we've received from God. We're about to come to the Lord's table. Paul said some things about this when he was giving instructions for the Lord's Supper. See, because this table is actually a table of reconciliation. Reconciliation to God but it's also a table of reconciliation to each other. In 1 Corinthians 11, starting verse 27, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ... Eat and drink judgment on themselves. May I ask you, who is the body of Christ? We are. Now, I grew up reading that passage thinking, oh, did I tell a lie today? I better ask forgiveness before I eat this bread or I'm done. And I don't think that's exactly what this verse is saying. It might be partially true that God wants us to be cleansed from our sin. But I think there's something deeper. See, because Paul, I believe, was presenting this as a table of reconciliation. Reconciliation with family, reconciliation with friends, reconciliation to other people in the body of Christ. And if I could, I would like to give you three very, very toxic attitudes that we need to take care of before we come to the communion table. Number one is this, I'm not needed. I'm not needed. When Paul talks about the body, look what he says in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. 
Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? And as it is, there are many parts, but one body. I'm not needed, I can't sing. I'm not needed, I can't speak in public. I'm not needed, I can't, I can't, I can't. Uh, You are a vital member of the body of Christ. Do you realize that what makes the Sunday morning experience at Bethel Church really happen is not what goes on up here. It's what goes on in the other parts of this place. People loving on our kids people in the nursery, ushers, people that are greeters, people who will pray for one another. We need that. And if you think that you're not important, that you're not needed, that is a lie that the enemy has told you. That is like the the ear saying, because I can't smell, I guess I don't belong in the body of Christ. That's not true. Every one of us has a purpose. Yours may not be as visible, but it has a purpose. Let me say that again. Your role may not be as visible, but it's still important. You are needed. The second toxic attitude would be just the opposite. I don't need you. (laughs) Yikes. He continues, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you're the body of Christ. Look at it again. You are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you. You might think, that because that person's not as charismatic and dynamic as you, that they're kind of on the second tier, and there you are, just next best thing since the Holy Spirit himself. And I've got news for you. There will be people, when they stand before God and receive rewards, there's going to be some surprises. There's going to be some gray-haired ladies that pray heaven down every day who will be receiving reward after reward. Well, they didn't preach a sermon. (laughs) It's not about that. 
It's about being faithful. You're needed. You're needed. And the people around you are needed. Final toxic attitude, and I'm going to close with this, John, if you could help me. I'm not at fault. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, starting verse 23. Jesus says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled. There's that word again. First go and be reconciled to them, and then then come and offer your gift. Are you saying that Jesus put a higher priority on reconciliation than the act of worship in his house? And the answer is yes. Time's too short for us to hate each other. It doesn't mean we're all going to agree. Of course not. Some of you are still Browns fans. God bless you. One of these days, you'll come around and worship God properly by cheering on the Dallas Cowboys every week. But until then, until then, can I have an amen from Rich Pilata? Thank you very much. We're not going to agree on everything. But we can still be united. And again, look at that. As, as you're offering your gift... If you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, this has nothing to do with whether you are at fault or not. I had a guy one time in our church, he said, well, my conscience is clear. He hates my guts, but I'm fine. That's okay. I know where I stand with God. I thought, no, you don't. It's not about you having a clear conscience. It's about reconciliation. And yeah, you know what? Some people don't want to be reconciled but at least you tried. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't see that in here. You are the body of Christ. Once again, going back to the verse that I kicked off the communion part here. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, they eat and drink judgment on themselves. We're going to come to the table. Ushers, if you can prepare yourselves. We're going to come to the table. And this table is not just a table of remembrance. This table is also a table of reconciliation. I'll say it one more time. This table is not just a table of remembrance. It's a table of reconciliation. So the questions I have for you as we go into communion, is, are these. Number one, have you been reconciled to God? 
Are there some things in your life that do not belong and you need to surrender those to Jesus Christ? Do you need his forgiveness today? If you confess your sin, friend, he is faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So before you go any further, if you are not reconciled to God, if there is distance between you and Jesus, today is the day to get that right. He stands at the door knocking. Secondly, have you accepted the ministry of reconciliation? I'd just like to keep my my God stuff private. I don't read that. I don't see that. God's given you this ministry of reconciliation. Will you accept it? And then thirdly, do you need to be reconciled to a brother or sister in Christ? That may take place in here. It might take place over the phone afterwards. It might be a text. It might be a message. I don't know what that looks like for you. And chances are that's going to look differently for everybody in here if that's the case. But do not partake of the cup and the bread without at least saying, God, I need to be not only reconciled to you, but I need to be reconciled to my brother or sister in Christ. God and sinners reconciled. Thank you, Jesus, for the ministry of reconciliation. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Jesus, I ask you now, that you would meet with your people. I ask you now that you would speak to us in a profound way. Lord, I pray we'd be reconciled to you. God, if there be anybody here with sin in their lives, we confess it to you and we ask you that you would take it away. God, if we have not embraced the ministry that you've given us, Lord, I ask you that that would change today. And Lord God, I pray that we would be reconciled to one another. Relationships that have been hurting, relationships that have become toxic, God, I pray for healing. That may be a process for some, but God, let your healing flow within the body So now, Lord, as we participate in communion and close our service, Lord, may reconciliation take place in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray to the Lord now personally?